The Fan. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hashtag Faith Radio. Allen, a superstar, bursting onto the scene. And he's Paul Allen. Nine to noon. Football feast. Take care, Polly Wally. There's no such thing as stupid questions. Play around with a bad football team, bad things happen. Jerk ass! to noon. It'll be a screamer. KFAM. Paul Allen with some hot chocolate on a Tuesday morning at FM 100.3 KFAN and the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. The producer is Miko Malibu Kelly Hayes, otherwise known as Mad Producer One via Twitter. That also is his rapping name, and he will be opening for Khalid this evening. Uh, right in front of Tyler, the creator, at the Myth and Maplewood, doing your favorite Put a Rap on the Show spectacular raps this evening at Myth in Maplewood. Mad Producer One, good morning. Good morning. It is a Teardown Tuesday on this Talker Tuesday, 9 to noon. From 10 until 11, the approach is. As promised yesterday, we 
from a very outsider standpoint, not being privileged enough to have elite football minds like coaches of an eight and three operation. But we follow it closely. Uh, we are well, we do what we do. We speculate how we speculate. We inside how we inside, and um, we get the opportunity today on a teardown Tuesday, middle portion of the radio show, to take a look at that eight and three operation and to hone in on some things that, in self scouting like fashion, we, you, and a fair amount of people, whether you're inside the building as they say in the business or outside the building feel need to be better as you sprint through the final five games and your quest to make a mission Miami. 54th times the charm. That's been the common thread for 9 to noon ever since we got to the exclusive Vikings Radio Network perch overlooking three, four, or five perfectly manicured practice fields at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. The Mission Miami Mission Miami has always been the verbal quest of 9 to noon. Show me the way to Biscayne Bay. So then you get into the preseason and the regular season and you start playing the games and you know you take a uh, you take a fat L at Lambo and probably could have done without that and you know then you get through 5 games and you're 3 and 2 and then you get through 11 games and you're 8 and 3 and the quarterback's on fire and Honestly, nothing has changed for 9 to noon into the exclusive Vikings Radio Network perch through the preseason, through the here green and gold. Would you like to just take this and go ahead and run with it to where the team is right now? The quest has been the same every step of the way. Minnesota made meets Miami Dade. It's the Mission Miami, Nordo. Your thoughts and a good morning. The long reach for South Beach. South Beach. I've heard. I've heard so many. Gosh, you know, it's it's so late in the year to have a bye week as we execute a teardown Tuesday. And I'm thinking to myself, well, for a football team that for the last several months should be planning on playing 19 or 20 games in total in the 2019-2020 campaign, yeah. uh, this is the absolute perfect time for a bye week. So I'm, I'm pumped for the 10 a.m. hour because we'll be doing what Kevin Stefanski and Mike Zimmer and all associated with uh, those down in Egan will be doing over the next several days as coaches is we need to tear it down, yeah. come up with fresh ideas, yeah. and starting a week from yesterday, then it's on to Seattle. And it's on to a Monday night post-Thanksgiving where it's Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and all of those guys, and with five games remaining... This is an opportunity for this team to take a deep breath, not thinking about Turkey, but certainly giving thanks for the opportunity to run this thing down to the wire, get into January, make some plays, make some memories, and ultimately... The big drive (laughs) to the 305. So it's time to gas up that bus, baby. Let's go. Now, it is a Tuesday, November 19th, year of our Lord, 2019. Good morning, hashtag faith family. And we recognize we don't have a football game for 13 days. But that doesn't mean 9 to noon forever is not scratching below the surface looking for roots of attack to get to South Beach and make the mission Miami. Like, 
I mean, you got Seattle at Philadelphia this weekend. Mad producer and I already are tentatively making plans to scout that game together via TV. Yes. And then eight days after that, you go to Seattle. And from afar, you're going to think about that Seattle game, and you're going to think cloud cover, unbelievably loud crowd, Monday night football, Pete Carroll never loses on Monday night football at home, Russell Wilson might be the MVP if Lamar Jackson isn't, and um, and a very, very staunch, difficult challenge ahead of us. That is the surface-level conversation you have on an elevator ride up to your job after somebody says, sure is gloomy outside. Well, at least uh, if it's gloomy outside, at least it's not 15 degrees with a wind chill of 5. Have a good day, Bob. The below-the-surface analysis, even 13 days in front of the Cappuccino Capitol, certainly does involve Jadeveon Clowney and Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and, and Century Link and Cloud Cover. But it also involves, on one side of the ball, Puna Ford. Yes. And on the other side of the ball, unbalanced line George Fant. <laughs> unbalanced line George Fant in Monday Night Football last year. Those biatches threw to him the con- for the first reception of his career. What are we doing here? Converted tight end, bringing in the heavies and just rolling all over us. Games late, games close late until it isn't. Frank Clark jumping over the line, all o- of those things. OC fired after the game. Ooh, OC didn't even get a ride back to the airport on the team bus. That was all negative. And, uh, and here we are a year later. But a very different Minnesota Vikings team. And so on Sunday when we're scouting the game, those will Russell Wilson for show, but will be, I wonder what's up with Puna Ford for Dell. Now, um, in closing for the middle portion of this Teardown Tuesday, uh, there will be a couple of questions that will emerge that will linger to next week. A couple of key questions that potentially could linger to next week, and they are... Into the Seattle game, from a personnel standpoint and a snaps count standpoint, moving forward with Xavier Rhodes, and what about the Vikings' offense and the defense and reliability? Oh, my gosh. My goodness. I told you in those emails, I told Percy, and I told everybody yesterday, this Teardown Tuesday, man, we ain't messing around. You know who ain't messing around? All these high school football teams battling for championships in a week and change. Uh, which means it behooves 9 to noon to celebrate class AA immortality with one of these. No freeways, no stoplights, no problem. It's the 9 to noon whistle stop. Yes, indeed, PA, the Always fun, 9 to noon, patented whistle stop, because a lot of people will say, we only want to talk about the biggest, most popular teams in town. Well, we dig deeper. Yeah. and Not only do we row the boat, we row the canoe. And in this particular case, we head down 35, and then we keep driving, and then we keep driving to the heart of southeastern Minnesota to a place called Caledonia. Oh, my gosh. Above average at that. Caledonia, you know, their mottos include the heart of quilt country. Yes! And 
for those that love nine to noon bits. They are also apparently the wild turkey capital of Minnesota. So the Caledonia Warriors, the Vikings Minnesota football program of the year several years ago, PA, Carl Frickty is their head coach. Now, when I say the last name Frickty, what comes to mind? Former Minnesota Viking wide receiver, former Golden Gopher wide receiver, Isaac Frickty. They had some success in the 70s. I think they won a championship in 76 in Class B. That's cool. But now, Carl Frickty is on a Belichick run with the Warriors. Dominance in the cornfields. Congratulations to the Warriors as they edged Barnesville, not Burnsville, but Barnesville. Got you. 43 to 12. Now, if Coach Carl Frickty is Belichick, then is Noah King Tom Brady? <laughs> Thank you, Caledonia! The senior quarterback went for 277 yards and three TDs, plus he ran in a couple more scores to ensure. Their fifth consecutive trip to the state double-A title game. Wow. Well done, man. I got you, and thank you for those 18 embroidered sweatshirts you sent me over the years. Now, the the key to this, thriving with number five potentially... They won the previous four. This is your back-to-back-to-back-to-back double-A title winner in Minnesota State High School football. As a matter of fact, they're 13-0, and and this is a nugget that uh, must be mentioned. Okay. 67 straight victories overall. Who needs Carl Klug? So the dynasty started with Isaac as a standout wide receiver safety, just trying to make memories with his dad. They went back-to-back as title winners in 2007, then 2008. Oh, yeah. Well, they took a year off in 2009. That was negative, I suppose. But then they won again in 2010, 2011, 2012. Okay, then they let Chatfield and Holding Ford do their thing, whatever. One-hit wonders. Congratulations to them. Yeah. But then they won in 2015, 16, 17, and 18. They have nine titles in their last 12 seasons. So they head up. This is uh, this is coming at you the day after Thanksgiving, shortly after the conclusion of the Friday Feast with PA in charge on a Black Friday. 1 p.m., U.S. Bank Stadium. It is the Warriors and Minneapolis North. Whoa! Tyler Johnson's old school. Concrete jungle meets the cornfield. You got Tyler Johnson on one sideline and Carl Klug on the other. Now, Minneapolis North won a title in 2016 as a 1A school, but then they moved on up. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Tyler Johnson, I believe, quarterbacked them to a title game loss in 2015 against a Dom. I mean, who hasn't remembered those Minnesota squads of the mid 2010s? My goodness. But they're 13 and 0. The Warriors are 13-0. and The Cornfield Clash with the Metro Kids at U.S. Bank Stadium the day after Thanksgiving at 1 p.m. at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah. Congratulations, of course, to Minneapolis North and their tremendous season and a shot at a 2A title. And, uh, of course, congratulations and just a general wow in whistle-stop ways uh, with Caledonia, the Frickty family, Noah King, Crone Bush, and all of those associated with the Caledonia Warriors, the heart of Quilt Country, PA. That 9 to noon whistle stop provided by... 
On the radio show today, Mike Florio at 9.35. The Teardown Tuesday commences at 10 a.m. and lasts one hour. It is a Vikings-related conversation in elongated fashion. And uh, the techies in studio to talk about uh, a Timberwolves victory last night and more. And speaking of that, uh, the T-Wolves last night make the mix in the next segment. All courtesy of TimberTech and TimberTech.com. Nordo produces, and I'm Paul Allen. Your 9 to noon team, your tandem, is assembled in the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios at FM 100.3 KFAN. Hashtag Faith Family. Good morning. 9 to noon. Not much else to say. It's PA. I am very proud of myself. Boy, am I impressive. What a play by me. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. Whoa! Join Tenna B and Pat Micheletti at the Loon Cafe in St. Paul tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. That's the Loon in St. Paul, 6 to 8 p.m. Tenna B and Pat Micheletti. They're playing bubble hockey, and it's thanks to Michelob Golden Light. You're going to have a shot to compete for an autographed Minnesota Wild jersey. You can go to KFN.com, keyword events, to learn more. And, of course, it's Minnesota at Buffalo tonight, I believe, as well. So you can watch hockey, play bubble hockey, win stuff, and hang out with the uh, the duo of Tenaby and Pat Micheletti. And 25 minutes past the hour. Wild and Sabre, 6 o'clock this evening. FM 100.3, KFAM. Let's um let's win one in a row for Boudreaux. One in a row for Boudreaux. One in a row no, for Boudreaux. Boudreaux. Uh, those uh, speedy canes uh, went to overtime with the Wild over the weekend. A very entertaining game. Uh, Saturday from a sports speculation standpoint, terrific. Now, Wild got a point but lost in overtime. Uh, then that went into the Iowa meat grinder. Didn't work out the right way, but it was an entertaining game. Wolves with a fat L that evening. Vikings win the next day in dramatic fashion. So you have Row the Boats team at 9-1, and one, prohibitively favored this weekend, and plan to stay that way this weekend. Uh, feels like a victory into the Bucky game. Uh, the, the Vikings are 8-3, and three, looming behind the green and gold, uh, lurking, if you will. And um, that vibe is absolutely positive. The Timberwolves pulled an upset last night and uh, beat a team that was previously undefeated at home. So, 6 o'clock on the fan this evening against Ratty Buffalo. Just lost Kyle Oposo for quite some time. Maybe the season, don't know. Feels like Buffalo's lost. Feels like 7 out of 8, something like that. It's a road game. We're no bargain on the road or at home. But uh, the goal at 6 o'clock on the fan with a Kurtz and Reed is one in a row for Boudreaux. One in a row for Boudreaux. One in a row for Boudreaux. Vox in the Box Radio Thursday. Vox in the Box Radio Thursday with the abs in town. Uh, The Timberwolves last night. Wow. Utah had not lost a home game. And now we got the techie in studio, Aaron Gleeman, the T-Wolves techie. He's also the Twins Techie, so some Jake Odorizzi conversation makes the mix. But um, the Techie is where we truly will deep dive the likes of 
Travion Graham and Keelan Martin and Bates Diop getting a lot of run and Andrew <laughs> Wiggins not playing again. But just listen to how I laid that out. Keelan Martin hitting two three-pointers, playing 24 minutes, scoring 14 points. He is a Butler rookie. 87.3 of you listening right now have never heard of. And he was incredibly key last evening. I mean, you got the luminary, Cat Cred, hitting seven threes, but no Wiggins. You're reliant on Keelan Martin. Travion Graham is playing some. Layman, Jake Layman, takes an injury-related L. And the Utah Jazz were fully serviceable and completely healthy. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, the Stifle Tower, Bogdanovich, who used to play for Indiana, and Nordo's guy, the Aussie, Joe Ingles, off the bench. Yet we roll in there. I mean, seriously, I have to believe those of the square variety spending a Monday in the 702, perhaps losing over the weekend at college football and the National Football League, Maybe somebody went to chasing the Chargers on the money line last night. I mean, coming into it, like, say they had a red eye that evening. So it's a 6 p.m. No, it's a 7. Yeah, it's it's a 6 p.m. Vegas time bit. Yes. So you got time. You got time to spot up. Chase, massive favorite. Utah undefeated at home. Let's go ahead and take a look at these game logs. Whoa, what happened against you? Whoa, what happened against Bradley Beal? Holy cow. Let's take a look at the injuries. Okay, Utah completely healthy. Utah undefeated at home. Utah hmm, opponents points against 100, number one in the NBA. Uh, Utah's opponents field goal percentage. uh, That's third best in the NBA at 42 and high change. Uh, Wiggins isn't playing. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and take everything I have and put it on Utah on the money line. Yeah, where's a pawn store so I can drop this watch off real quick and bump yeah. up this bankroll a little bit? I mean, L. That's uh, that's how easy that mug looked last night for yeah. the for the square chasers in the seven oh two. They failed to recognize Carl Anthony Towns is quite adept from three point range, specifically Ooh. the straight on the straight on three he hit from Provo. Yeah. He hit one from 30 feet, and it was by design. It was not end-of-the-quarter, half-or-game terrorism. He had seven threes, and everybody in the 702 got stuck. Uh, I thought it was uh, a very nice job by the Wolves last night where they put Donovan Mitchell on one of the worst shooting performances that you're ever going to see from him. Yeah, Uh, You have Jeff Teague, who ever since he came back and now he's playing, as aggressive as ever. I mean, that's the Jeff Teague that we envisioned in a best-case scenario type way. Covenant claps for you for mentioning Jeff Teague, who had his best game of the season and was of the floor general variety. He was. And then I want to I want to celebrate Ryan Saunders just for a second because I don't know who the hell these guys are. I, I don't know <laughs> about Keelan yeah. Martin. You know, remember I, they had the little white point guard whose last name's like McGonahue or whatever. McLaughlin. Yeah, McLaughlin, and I, I like didn't know his name. I watched him for three minutes. We're doing nine to noon last week, and I'm like, he can't play. Yeah, I mean, why is he playing? He, I know Napier and Teague are taking L's. He can't play. And so what? What they were doing from the perimeter last night, and, and frankly, most of it was Cad. I think he took 15 total uh, triple attempts last night. 
But then Covington in the mix, he was aggressive with steals and blocks. I mean, what they did defensively against a team is almost as impressive as putting 112 on a team that's very good defending the hoop themselves in the Jazz. No doubt. uh, That was was as fun a win at this time of the year that you're going to see, and it was very impressive. And they, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's way, way too early to cast your gaze the way of the postseason. But, I mean, like, out of the gate, we were popping tags. Yeah. All right, now, the long play in Golden State is becoming incredibly apparent. You know, baby Steph hurts his hand, hurts his wrist, yeah. might might be season. That's a lottery pick situation there yeah. now. Well, lottery, yeah, lottery pick, I mean, it's like most cliched ping-pong balls for the first overall pick in the draft. Might be. They have two wins. So they like go Draymond Green load management, <laughs> and then Draymond comes back, and perhaps because the coach is Steve Kurachek, with all of the rings, yeah, he might be Kurachek with the long play here. Uh oh. I mean, they can win eighteen games, and he's keeping his job, and probably will get an extension for being Kurachek. So it probably was by design. Draymond Green comes back off a of load management, like a little, little, little injury or whatever. Yeah. Well, of course, he gets ejected in his first game back because, <laughs> I mean, the long play doesn't need Draymond Green in the game yeah. trying to win a game. Correct. And yeah, uh, they got this second round, uh, the second round cat named Eric Pascal. Nobody's heard of him. Uh, he's scoring 30 every so often. He's playing a ton. So the long play there is basketball immortality led by Kurachek has two victories. Okay, complete non-factor. Draw a line through that team for, for the balance of the season. Yes. Um, now you got, and we'll get more into this with the techie. You know, if if you believe your Timberwolves are are a chip, chair, and chance type team for the postseason. They might be a 500 team right now, is what they're kind of playing at, at 8-6. and six. I right. guess that, that kind of feels right. So you are clinging to that 8. Looming behind you, Sacramento, nobody cares. De- De'Aaron Fox, hurt, but he healed, hit seven threes on Con. doesn't matter. Behind that, you got Portland 1-4 and four at home. Um, I have Portland is behind us, and Portland cannot catch stride. And I have a below-the-surface opinion on why Portland cannot catch stride Hmm. and potentially may not make the playoffs. That's for the techie segments. Wow. And then after that, you got New Orleans with Drew uh, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball. Everybody on their roster is hurt right now, so it's a grind. J.J. Reddick's hitting five threes a game, and Zion Zion Williamson, the big horse, is still in the barn. And I wouldn't accept his trade request from Eastsider guy. So there still is a lot of this story to be told, but that victory last night uh, was badly needed off the way the last two games developed. Well done, Minnesota Timberwolves. Football with Florio is next. It's PA. See what's up with Rube Nation. Troy. What's up, PA? What's up? When you speak, I listen, PA. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. Hey, it's Nordo, and when I speak, I hope you go to ProfilePlan.com. This weight loss program has me down 50 pounds. And it's unbelievable. Not, I mean, 50 pounds. Just think about that for a moment. It is a lifestyle change. Feeling so much better, energy through the roof, all of those things. But the key to Profile by Sanford and these doctors and researchers with Sanford Health to put this thing together. It's again, it's it's not just about the losing weight. Ultimately, that's the end goal. We know that. But how do you keep it off? How do you make the changes? How do you create new habits to where it and essentially a new normal so that you're living healthily and you're not doing the up and down roller coaster diet bit that's not good for anybody. 
Get to ProfilePlan.com and learn more about it because I'm winning with it, and I'm feeling better than I have in a decade. And it's all thanks to Profile by Sanford. Six locations in the Twin Cities. Get to ProfilePlan.com. ProfilePlan.com. Visit the walleye capital of the world this ice fishing season. Borderview Lodge is now booking winter ice fishing trips. They have day house packages including lodging and ice fishing available and sleeper house packages with your own private plowed road access. Experience the walleye masters at Borderview Lodge this winter. Grab your buddies or bring your family. Visit them at BorderviewLodge.com. Be sure to check out their new property, Settlers Point, for a private group setting with a bar and grill on site. The best ice fishing in the state is at Borderview Lodge. Book your trip today at Borderview Lodge. AFAN. P-F-T Your life is all I need My satisfaction grows Football feast Mr. Florio, living life vicariously through you last evening on Twitter. The uh, the barn in West Virginia with all those TVs and, and the warmth and everything, it just looked so peaceful. Was that the case? It was peaceful, and I was by myself only the second time this year for a primetime game. I was down there just hanging out, working on the website a little bit, studying the game, having a little drink, smoking a little cigar, and just decompressing after a hectic and busy weekend thanks to teams like the Vikings and institutions like the NFL and players like Colin Kaepernick. So it was a nice, peaceful three hours, and I enjoyed the game. And, uh, you know, usually we have anywhere from five to 15 people there. So it's nice every once in a while if it's just me. And now um, now you have this Gronk announcement today. What, um, uh, what What's that all about? He's having a Super Bowl party. That's his announcement. Look, he continues yeah. to get maximum mileage out of the possibility he's going to come back. And he continues to keep the door open. The reality is if he's going to come back this year, he has until next Friday or Saturday. And if he doesn't return by then, by rule, he cannot come back at all. So uh, I don't think he's coming back. Um, at one point I was told that if Tom Brady made a personal appeal to him, that that would be a factor. I don't think Brady's going to do it. I think Brady probably should want to do it. And, uh, you know, maybe it gets Gronk to change his mind, but at this point – it sure feels like it's moving in the direction of Gronkowski ending up staying out of football this year with the possibility that he could come back next year or the year after that. Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, uh, NBC's Football Night in America, and uh, NBC Sports Radio weekday shows, PFT, the radio show. Although, well, the last time I saw a picture of Gronk, he was like Joe Thomas skinny. So, I mean, physically, is he like is he like built up enough to do what he needs to do? Well, look at it this way. He could come back, they could put him on the roster, and then they could fill him with protein shakes and cheese and whatever else you got to eat to gain weight quickly. I, I, you know, I went to the beach for a week this year and gained seven pounds. It shouldn't be all that hard for him to gain weight quickly, right, right. if he wants to. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been on Fox a couple of times with his old suits on, and he looked like David Byrne and stopped making <laughs> sense. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, they could put that weight back on him if he would come back and if – they would commit to getting him ready for the playoff run. Off the reference, new schoolers, we are your talking heads at 943. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, and Paul Allen. Uh, the Vikings comeback, uh, didn't expect that, did you? No, I didn't expect that. You know, I kind of expected the stepping on a rake that we saw in the first half. 
because double-digit favorite at home, it, it reminded me of the Bills game in 2018, which got off the rails very quickly, and we saw this game get off the rails very quickly. But fortunately for the Vikings, they held it to 20 points. There was that Amir Abdullah fumble that made it look like it was going to be 27 nothing at halftime, which may have been completely and totally insurmountable. But they sucked it up. And I, I talked to Kyle Rudolph after the game, and he said that there wasn't a lot of fire and brimstone from Mike Zimmer. It was just a very calm and measured, it's not good enough, we can do better, we got 30 minutes left, and the players recognized the importance of getting that win going into the bye, getting eight wins at the bye with all the other teams they're competing with. And think about it, if that win doesn't happen, there's a half-game lead on the Rams right now for the sixth seed, and and a two-game hole or a game-and-a-half hole or whatever it may be because the Packers were off this week, so I think it'd be a game-and-a-half hole. Uh, and uh, it's not good. Not good for anybody if the goal is to not just get to the playoffs but to maximize the, the chances of what happens. It's, it's such a, a dramatic difference to have to go on the road in the wild-card round versus the possibility of not even having to play in the wild card round. And, yeah. and a bye is still within reach. It's not going to be easy, but it's still within reach. Yeah, I mean, you know it better than anybody, man. they got five left. They begin uh, 13 days from today at Seattle. They finish at home against Chicago. And, um, you know, from 8-3 and three, and looking at the NFC, it's just, in my opinion, is the whole thing is just so wide open. I mean, the, the NFC is so compelling this year, uh, specifically when New Orleans shows it can lose at home badly to Atlanta. Seattle has lost at home a couple of times. Green Bay is is doing everything right to this stage. Uh, the Niners messed around with Arizona over the weekend. There may be a regression to the mean there. The, the NFC is just absolutely terrific. Well, it is. And, you know, look, I think the Vikings could go 4-1 and one over the final five games. That would put them at 12-4. and four. But what does that get you? Does that get you a division title? Does it get you a bye week? Does it get you the sixth seed? Yeah. That's really the question. And when you look at the 49ers and Packers this weekend, like, if you're a Vikings fan, who do you root for in that game? You'd like to see the 49ers get knocked down a peg or two, but I think the more immediate challenge is having the Packers pick up a loss or two because the Packers have an easier road the rest of the way. The 49ers have to go to Baltimore and New Orleans after this game. So, uh, you know, it's probably better for the Packers to lose whenever the Packers can lose and, yeah. and try to catch up to them and, and surpass them. And, you know, that head-to-head tiebreaker is going to be one-and-one if the Vikings win the Monday night game. But the problem is that uh, the division record, unless the Packers lose to a team like the Lions or the Bears down the stretch, that's going to make, you know, you're going to have to have a game better than, the Packers in the standings quite possibly to win the division. So, yeah, I, uh, but, but there's going to be some of that cross-pollination among the best teams in the NFC. The Rams are a team that pops up against some of these teams at the top of the conference, and you just wonder whether or not they can put enough together to win some of those games. But you don't want them to win too many because you don't want to have to worry about them jumping the Vikings. I mean, it really is mm. that time of year where week in and week out, Vikings fans have to do some high-level analytics to decide which teams you're rooting for in these games that the Vikings aren't involved in. Florio. Uh, the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, 18 touchdowns and one interception his last seven. The only interception off the helmet of Stefan Diggs to now current teammate Andrew Sandejo to uh, find Cousins' last true interception, like where he legitimately threw it to the other team. Well, that's back right of the week end zone two. Lambeau week yep. two. You're right. So, the, uh, yep. I mean, the quarterback's playing so fast right now. What uh, What are your thoughts? Well, look, it's impressive, and I, I think he's doing what he can to stay in that zone where he's picked off and 
You know, it, it's hard to do it. The more you get praised, the harder it is to stay upset and to stay in that bubble where, you know, there were legitimate questions after that Bears game. What do the Vikings do with this guy next year, right? We had a 20-game sample size, and we thought a trend had emerged that wasn't really going to change. And what's happened in the seven games, or the, not the seven games, but how many games have they played since then? Uh, however many games since then, seven games since then, right? Yeah, it's uh, uh, 11 it, it's, minus four is seven. It's 27 he, with Cousins. Yeah, in the last seven games, he's played at the level that everyone thought he would play at from the moment he arrived. And uh, now it's just changed everything. And whatever got him to this point, you, you want to find a way to keep him there mentally. And, and maybe he's, you know, I don't like it that a guy needs external motivation. I, I think that every game is a big game. And in every game, the motivation should be there to do whatever you have to do to win. And you shouldn't need people criticizing you to get the best out of your play. But, you know, whatever has happened, he needs to bottle it and he needs to use it all year long because it's propelled him to really the best stretch we've ever seen him consistently play in his entire career. And he's going to need to do that for five more and however many more beyond that the Vikings play. So he and the team 2-0 and in primetime games. Now, granted, one of them was Washington here, complete disaster. And he led that comeback on Sunday. So... Do you feel people legitimately should be over the hump when it comes to Kirk Cousins-related concerns? No, 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 no. I, it's, 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 because, because the Cowboys game becomes an aberration if the Vikings lose at Seattle, at the Chargers, although I expect that game to get flexed out of prime time. And then week 16, the final Monday night game of the year when the Packers come to town. But, you know, I, I actually – and I don't I – don't, look – it's hard to win in Seattle. And I know they've lost a couple of games there, and they should have lost to the Rams on that Thursday night in early October. But when you compare this year's Vikings and this year's Seahawks to last year's Vikings and last year's Seahawks, and you think about the game that was played last year, the defense plays the Seahawks good enough to beat them. Mike Zimmer knows how to attack Russell Wilson, how to keep him in the pocket. You have the, the, you know, the ends kind of prevent him from escaping the pocket and force him to stay in there and then you try to put pressure up the middle. We saw the 49ers do that a few times last week with some well-timed blitzes that got to Russell Wilson before he could do that pirouette and, and just disappear and get out on the edge and really hurt you. The offense for the Vikings is better than it was last year. The defense of the Seahawks isn't as good as it was last year. And, you know, again, I, it's easy to talk about it with 13 days to go, but – Maybe it's not as daunting of a challenge as we would have thought it was going to be based upon that suffocation that got John DiFilippo fired last year. You know, with that uh, with that week uh, that week fifteen uh, football night in America game between the Vikings and the Chargers, you now consecutive weeks have kind of speculated that may be flexed out, as they say in the business. And you know, when you said that last week, I looked at the schedule, and as I recall, you got Rams at Dallas, Chicago at Green Bay and Atlanta at the 49ers. I, I just don't find those games to be markedly more compelling than the Vikings at the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, I look, I, and I have no inside information. Those decisions are made by the league, and they communicate with executives at NBC that have no reason to tell me what's going on, and they don't tell me what's going on, so I'm not compromised in trying to figure out what I can and can't say. I truly don't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. I just know that big picture, you look at that game and you say, yeah, that, that's not the kind of game we thought it was going to be 
going into the season. Now, look, it would be, a, what, a 70%, 75% representation of Vikings fans there. You know, and, it, and so it's not like your normal night game on the road where you're going to be facing a lot of noise from the opposing fan base. And I don't know that – right, look at how Philip Rivers has been playing. My goodness. And I, yeah, I, I was talking about this today on PFT Live. I don't know any Chargers fans. I would say Chargers fans have to be <laughs> fed up with Philip Rivers at this point. And also, they have to be dismayed by the fact – you know, we talk a lot about the Bears taking Mitchell Trubisky at the the second spot in the 2017 draft, trading up a spot to get him when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are still available. The Chargers could have had either guy, and they didn't take either guy. And I think in hindsight, if you're a Chargers fan, you probably wish they had. But, you know, what, the way Rivers is playing now with seven interceptions the last two games, I'm not worried about that game from the Vikings' perspective, whether they play it at, at night, in the afternoon, at, at the crack of dawn. Or, you know, in, in the middle of the night. It's just, it's not going to matter. It shouldn't matter. And that's the kind of game that the Vikings are getting closer and closer to the end of the road. Mm. If they, it's just like the Broncos game, you know, and they found a way to win it. But when it was 20 to nothing, it's like, hey, if you're serious about having a special season, you can't screw around with teams you should beat. And the Chargers are in that category now. It's a team the Vikings should beat. So now, um, so lastly, I see at ProFootballTalk.com, Lamar Jackson is favored in Las Vegas to win the NFL MVP. If um, if you had, like, free money with which to bet right now, would you bet him or would you bet somebody else? I probably it's – it, it's so hard at this point because you're not just betting on the player, you're betting on the team. And, and I say that because the dust has to settle on the season before we really know who the MVP is. It's going to be a quarterback from a team that has the one seed or the two seed, right? So it looks like the Ravens are going to have one of the top two seeds in the AFC, so it makes Lamar Jackson a safer bet than a Russell Wilson who currently isn't even leading his division. But I think the key is, unless you've got somebody that has done something statistically remarkable and historic, it's going to be the best quarterback from among the four best teams. And, and that's why Kirk Cousins has an outside shot at the thing. Because if the Vikings end up with a bye, his status goes up, and he's at 15-1 to 1 now. He's got shorter odds than Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey, which was stunning to me to see that. Whoa. But I'd say of the guys right now, Lamar Jackson would be the favorite, the smart favorite, because of the combination of his numbers, the wow factor, and his team of all the teams – that have MVP candidates, his team is the most likely to be in position to have a buy and also provide that, that boost when it's time for the AP voters to cast their ballot. Thanks, bud. I'll call you next week. Later. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com. A Teardown Tuesday commences around the corner. Uh, three segments of uh, deep-diving Minnesota Vikings football from 8-3 and three during the buy into the Cappuccino Capital game. The producer is Mad Producer One, and I'm Paul Allen. From the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios, it's 9 to noon. It's PA. You are one of the biggest suck-ups I know. Weekdays, 9 to noon, on The Fan. Download it now. Hey. Oh, okay. Bye. Yeah, let's go. Clipping penalty on me. I apologize. Oh, good man. It's an ejection. Join the fan, the Minnesota Vikings, and the U.S. Marine Corps at Fleet Farm in Lakeville for the 2019 Toys for Tots Drive. We're broadcasting live all day, December 10th. So put that on your calendar, 5.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. December 10th. We're at Fleet Farm in Lakeville. 
You can meet us from the fan, Vikings players, cheerleaders, plus, of course, the A-Topic, help a great cause in Toys for Tots. If you bring an unwrapped toy to donate, you'll have a shot at awesome Vikings and station prizes. KFAN.com, keyword events. A perfect song to segue into a Tear It Down Tuesday, because when you're 8-3, and three, you've won two consecutive, just came back in spine-tingling-like fashion. You have a quarterback who all of a sudden is just 15-1 to one to win the NFL's MVP award, and you're on the bye. Seems like a perfect time to do what they're singing right now and take it easy. And the song's done by the Eagles, which means we get the opportunity to scout the chickens playing the Eagles this weekend. Mad producer one and the host Paul Allen aim to scout said chickens via bird of a different feather Sunday. You can't hide your now with a tear it down Tuesday, the some significant focus. All right, time to get serious. A significant focus with some opinions and uh, some data and uh, some facts and some speculation. Uh, we'll begin in the next segment uh, talking about the Minnesota Moving Company and the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. The segment after that, we will get into the secondary, and it's not just a corner's quandary with some things that have developed. It is secondary-wide, in my opinion, after working on it a little bit yesterday, but it also, in my opinion, is not so bad that that there needs to be functioning tripability. I mean, I'm trying to step on the 10-3-5 touchdown call right now, but I just find it odd that when the Vikings were giving up few passing yards, like 204 a game, they were three and two. And when they give up 278 a game, they're six and one. So as we emphasized last week, the, the, the beauty of football is team and players complementing players and schemes complementing players while perfecting along the run. And this is in no way, last thing I'll say about the 10-3-5 right now, this is in no way to say with the likes of, with all due respect, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes, Mackenzie Alexander of late, don't know enough about Holton Hill. At times, Harrison Smith, Sandejo and Curse this last game, and, and even at times Anthony Harris, I would imagine, even though I didn't go deep diving on that. It, it's not necessarily a corner's quandary. It, it, is, it is a secondary-wide thing, in my opinion, where some things need to be tightened. Wholesale change potentially may not need to transpire. But when you have a head coach whose cliched bread and butter is working with, tweaking, and or improving not only a team but a secondary, and if he happens to be, I don't know, at a certain Kentucky ranch with heated wooden floors and multiple wood-burning fireplaces and red wine and deer stands and tractors and you know, everything a certain head coach might covet, which also includes a hot tub. This is when 
the film watching, or as they say in the business, the cut-ups, this is when the self-scouting, tearing it down, and analyzing it is absolutely underway with this head coach. And not speaking for him or speaking for the team, offering up an opinion, I I believe some things that are transpiring through 11 with the Vikings secondary have beyond worked on the head coach's last nerve. So more on that in the 10-3-5. But in patented hashtag faith family-like fashion, it behooves us before we tear down to recognize what has been built up. Before the teardown, let's recognize what has been dynamite for Minnesota Vikings football through the 8-3. and three. The 9-noon to noon mantra into training camp through the preseason, into the season, even after the giveaway L at Lambeau has been that of Mission Miami. Mission Miami. Collectively, we hung a 12-4 and four on the team. Can't speak for Nordo's prediction because I can't remember it. I'm one game off. And the only game I missed was at Lambeau. So everything, the way I saw it, into the season, no matter how you got there, trailing 20-0, got the money at the wire, um, or winning at Dallas, it all has worked out mostly the way I thought it would. Through the final five, I had them going 3-2. and two, And losing at Seattle, losing at the Chargers, beating the Kitties here, Uh, beating Green Bay here, and beating Chicago here. I can't necessarily say that's going to be the case. And I stick by what I said yesterday with all due respect. I don't care if the Bears lose the rest of their games this season, up to that game. Until the Vikings show they will punch back against the interior of that defensive line, it's fair to look at it as a 50-50 situation no matter what proverbial chips are on the table but up to the eight and three which nine to noon felt would be a 12 and four and absolutely still can be a 12 and four there are some things that are trending some staples that we possess and things that are being done that will aid the team in making the mission Miami. Mission Miami. <laughs> Mission Honestly. Miami. You're sitting there on a cousin's highlight, and I hit you with something from about six months ago. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. From yes. mediocrity to Miami. You're sitting there on an Irv Smith touchdown for six minutes from now, and I'm sitting there referencing Biscayne Bay. Oh, <laughs> uh, so there are some things that are trending that we absolutely like including this guy earning some well-deserved R&R. Snap, Cousins, looking left, throwing left, and touchdown! Kyle Rudolph, back left to the end zone! They came to see Jason Witten, but they're talking about Kyle Rudolph. He has two touchdowns tonight, a day after his 30th birthday, and it's 13-0 Minnesota. Still much more of this story to be told, and fairly. 9 to noon. But 9 to noon and the football devotees, we are past judging Kirk Cousins game to game, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing that pissed me off at the end of the Gophers game is everything P.J. Fleck has not only done for the team, not only done for the alumni and the boosters and, and the coffers and everything he's done, 
you know, didn't perhaps didn't have his grandest moment with some decisions on the sideline. But what pissed me off is those not seeing the forest for the trees and just absolutely jumping him after that game. Yeah. Because in the business, we call it equity. And when you build up equity, if you make a mistake, we can recognize said mistake, but let's not be an idiot and go way over the hump. And I'm not going to say with Cousins, hey, if you're on a game-by-game thing because you inherently don't trust him, that's on you. But 9 to noon, we're past judging this guy game-by-game, right? Well, I I look at it from the standpoint that now I... I trust him in that spot. I trust him to make the plays when they are there. And I believe that this team can go Mission Miami 54th times a charm. Biscayne Bay, though. With number 8 under center. So, in that way, I'm not judging him game by game. But I am from the standpoint that each game is its own world. Right. You know, so judging how he bounced back in the second half was elite, an absolute assassin in the second half against the Broncos. Okay. Judging how he was mistake-free and poised in the Cowboys game. Well, let me ask you this. At Seattle, say he goes 2-10, one touchdown, one interception, and they lose the game by four. You you just know you're going to see in here, see? Yeah, can't handle a big primetime game on the road at Seattle. Uh, it's going to happen. No, it, it absolutely is. But then, again, judging from the standpoint, I trust him under center. I think we can go Mission Miami with Kirk. Right. If it ends up being team loses by four and he throws a pick in the red zone like he did at Lambeau, come on. we're going to come back on Tuesday morning yep. and we're going to be annoyed that, oh, what, look at that, B.C. Johnson, yeah. back left corners wide open doing jumping jacks trying to get his attention, yeah. and he tried to force it into Kyle and it didn't work out. Laid it out beautifully. So, but ultimately, I have faith in number eight. Uh, seven games of equity that includes 18 touchdowns, one interception that wasn't his fault, a primetime win at Dallas, and a sterling comeback Sunday against a high end defense. He's been so amazing. Just, yeah, just, just hear us when we tell you that. So, we, when nine to noon is done with the throw by throw crap with Kirk Cousins, sketchy half against Denver, and those of the foolhardy variety, we're done with him again leads the comeback win, and and couldn't find those negatives with a searchlight <laughs> after the uh, comeback victory. You know, But that's just how it works. So that's a staple. What's trending? What's trending from a positivity standpoint? Tight ends definitely are in the mix. Cousins, second and goal, takes the snap, fires to the end zone, caught! Football League touchdown gives the Vikings some light. It's 20 to 6. Denver. Kyle scores every game. Irv snagged a score. Conklin hauled in a massive ball on third and 14 during the comeback. When Adam Thielen returns, hopefully at Seattle, this is something we are going to need. It's trending the right way for sure. And why it's fair to bring it up as a trending the right way for sure bit is it was crickets, man, for a fair amount of the season, bringing it up with Stefanski for the uh, for the Vikings report, which comes up today in about 15 minutes, about, uh, hey, you know, uh, look, look at Rudolph's numbers, man. He's not catching yeah. any passes, and, and Irv has zero touchdowns, and Conklin doesn't have a reception since last year. And, you know, there never was really a concrete answer for it. I think it played into the quarterback, the confidence, the fact that we are not anxious 
Uh, we have somebody who does not worry and does not dwell and is playing so fast that with the head on the swivel, he's seeing everything. And if it's Rudolph on the touchdown that, well, Irv Smith revitalized the biatch, back center of the end zone. That, that gets things going. So a tight end gets it going, and a tight end finishes it off with um, a plugged-in play, off a play action, and a boot left where you had nine members of Denver's defense completely fooled. And there's Big Boy rambling into the end zone. So it was a plugged-in play. Cousins is very good at recognizing those. And the tight end productivity trending is a staple that undoubtedly will help if your quest is Mission Miami. Now, Eric Kendricks, staples, trends, and things the team possesses that aid in making the Mission Miami. Because that's the 9-to-noon focus, getting to the Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings. Eric Kendricks play in his pass coverage. 13 passes defensed, four more than the next linebacker in the NFL. He has 13 passes defensed. And he also has a signature moment on Zeke at Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Stephon Diggs. This this is not a homerific comment. It's not Pollyanna Allen. It is statistically based. Stephon Diggs is the best long-distance wide receiver in the game. Third and two. They're going to fake a handoff to Cook. Cousins boots out to the left, passes to Diggs. Thirteen receptions at twenty-five yards or more. That's tops in the NFL. That makes you statistically and aesthetically, or from an opinion standpoint, you can hit me with whoever you want, whomever you want. Statistically speaking, Stephon Diggs is the best long-distance receiver in the National Football League. His touchdowns, four of the five, are from forty-nine, fifty-one, fifty-four, and sixty-two yards. We had an eleven in there against Philadelphia. Well, that's not even mentioning, by the way, just the big plays, non-touchdown yeah. wise, where like he the had forty-four, a, and and he had a thirty-eight or a forty-yard one that was called back on a reef hold. He absolutely is the best right now in the entire NFL at stretching the field. Staples, trends, and things that make the mission Miami. That that is the focus, and and and, and we've gone low key on it. We we don't mention it much, if ever. Nine to noon through the grind of Harrison Butker at Kansas City, uh, Kendricks with the pass defense and the curse interception on the Hail Mary, or the fourth greatest comeback in the history of Vikings football. But now, when when you are chilling, in our version, this is our version of the bluegrass. It's our Kentucky ranch. Yeah, It's our heated wood, wood floors. Multiple wood-burning fireplaces with a hot tub, red wine, and tractors. The score is our steam room. You, you're in a deer stand executing your toil while sacrificing the life of a doe. Yes. And I am recognizing you for your kindness. That's what we're doing right now, and, and, and that's what we believe. We, we're not going to make the Vikings favored to get to the Super Bowl. We're not going to get loud and cavalier and be like, you're an idiot if you don't think they will, but they can and the way the NFC is shaking out and shaping up, they absolutely can. Dan Bailey, too. I mean, he's been cool under pressure. Dan Bailey has been a valued addition to the Mission Miami Covenant. So, like, a question for next week. Not not this week. Uh, offensive line next segment, secondary after that, Techie in studio. Yours truly off tomorrow. Vox in the box Thursday. Yours truly off Friday. 
So we, the tandem off Friday, that is. We we will get more into this next week, maybe. I'm just going to ask you right now, and you can spend your best 30 seconds on it if you want. Has the Minnesota Vikings offense become more reliable than the Minnesota Vikings defense? Yes, it has. Uh, and this, it's just, it's absolutely weird. So when you mention that the head coach's last nerves are being tested to the max regarding players that he has relied on in big spots, at this particular juncture, I trust that the offense is going to get to 27 or 28 points a game. The problem that I have right now with that secondary in particular, again, more on the 1035 and we'll discuss it out, mm-hmm. is there are some things that concern me about the team needing to get to 27 or 28 points to win a game when that has not been the case for four years. However, in fairness, the the secondary, which we will get to at 1035, you, you, you laid it out nicely. Conversely, on the other side, you have the Minnesota Moving Company. Yes. And some data that we are going to lay out and some things that absolutely have to improve and become better if the goal is making the mission Miami. Very good point. This is a, uh, the, all of that talkers for a different day. This is the 9 to noon teardown Tuesday looking at the Minnesota Vikings uh, operation from an on-field standpoint uh, during the bye week. And when we return, uh, let's offer up some data and some opinions on the Minnesota Moving Company moving forward to the mission. That mission is Miami. It's PA. There are many, many positives I can get out of this game. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. the world people all over the world taking in this nine to noon radio show on a tear down tuesday uh from the the staples and the trends and the positivity to uh to some things with uh the vikings offensive line that uh, in yours opinion uh and uh, your the opinion of yours truly uh potentially needs to be analyzed and the team is eight and three uh the team's rushing attack is upper echelon the team's screen game is the best in the National Football League. And until the most recent game, the quarterback being sacked 17 times, I think that was like sixth, sixth fewest in the National Football League. 
you know, so the, those are some good things that are transpiring with the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, where the left tackle, definitely in the second half of his career, the left guard is playing National Football League guard for the first time, uh, full-time in his life. You know, so that, that in essence puts 11 games on him, kind of a rookie year at guard for Pat Elfline. The center, while being ballyhooed and talented and a valued member of the long play, long standing covenant, still is a rookie. And he's now played 11 games, basically akin to it to nearly a full college football season. So he gets the bye, he gets a chance to chill, and he gets a chance to come back and prepare to encounter something called Puna Ford. The right guard situation has been topsy-turvy. Josh Klein has fit what they wanted to do, but Klein has missed time. Dakota Dozier has filled in for Klein and also filled in for Elfline. Now, Dakota Dozier came to the Vikings from the New York Jets basically with offensive line coach and run game coordinator Rick Dennison. So Dakota Dozier has filled in admirably at times, but Dakota Dozier is a backup. The right tackle, Brian O'Neill, is quickly becoming one of the best right tackles in the National Football League. And I don't watch enough of Mitchell Schwartz when he's rolling nicely. Never been the biggest Rick Wagner fan, but like there's a name, Brian Bulaga uh, for the Packers. When Brian Bulaga is healthy and Brian Bulaga's playing the way the Iowa kid plays, for my money, he's top three right tackle in the NFL. Then you got Lane Johnson from Philly, Mitchell Schwartz, and the whole thing. I just know having Brian O'Neill on this team is spectacular, and he's the best overall offensive lineman on this team, and he's only in his second year. Brian O'Neill is a stud, not perfect, but the best of the bunch. Riley Reef showing late career struggles at times versus certain rushers. The Vikings do not tie tight ends to tackles very often. This is a teardown Tuesday where we verbally, from afar, are attempting to do what the, the, the coaches and the personnel people are doing probably right now, taking what is very good at 8-3 and three and making it better. The interior, Elfline, Bradbury, Klein, Dozier. Drew Samia is not the answer, in my opinion. The rookie offensive lineman from Oklahoma, not ready. It's a redshirt year definite candidate to start next season. But for me, in on a teardown Tuesday, foreshadowing, that for me is not an answer. We've talked it out, and honestly, I, I, we're just being square with you here. Honestly, I do not have an answer as to, like when we get into the secondary and the corners quandary and, and, and the secondary situation, I have some things with which I'm more comfortable when it comes to, like, okay, do I have to have an answer? All right, here it is. With this situation, honestly, I don't have an answer because there are situations in which this team uh, gets that are incredibly good, and it involves everybody on the Minnesota Moving Company, and that includes Pat Elfline, and, and specifically against faster, smaller defenses like Dallas, to a certain extent Philadelphia, outside of Fletcher Cox. And, and so on. Now, there are also situations they face where there are problems. And, and you know, we while conceding, I do not have the answer to, to what can take the Minnesota Moving Company, specifically the interior, and immediately make it unbelievably better. 
Middle of this line versus very physical groups, as 9 to noon has shared all year, has been a problem. Dalvin running between the tackles against the Bears, the Redskins, Kansas City, and the Denver Broncos, that has been a problem. Those teams. Chris Jones and company for Kansas City proved to be tough. So, you know, there can be those who, like I did coming into the game, where, man, I, I just I had a lot of game-calling minutia for how bad Kansas City's defense had been against running backs, specifically like Aaron Jones when he flexed wide left. Uh, Juicy A-Rodge immediately knew they were in man because he's high level, and, and he took advantage of overmatched linebackers. So running backs have given Kansas City trouble the majority of the year. Funny how things have turned since Chris Jones came back, and Chris Jones came back against us. How about this? When it comes to... The theme du jour of the Minnesota Moving Company, specifically parts of the interior, against specific type teams. And I've laid it out for you as Bears, Redskins, Kansas City, and the Broncos. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL, ain't no doubt about it. Rushing, 35 yards versus the Bears. 98 versus Washington, but remember they went mashing really, really late and ran like 16 consecutive times. 3.3 yards per carry against Kansas City, and 2.3 yards per carry against Denver. Seattle has Puna Ford, casting the gaze. Seattle has Puna Ford. I ain't tripping on the Lions challenge. The Chargers give up 110 rushing yards per game. I ain't tripping on Green Bay's run defense. Then you got the Bears at the end. So... Roots they can take to make this more formidable. That is the atopic question. And that's something on which I would imagine the coaches, personnel, and the players are working on at this time in the business we call it the bot. Let's take it a step farther. 15 of Kirk Cousins' 22 sacks have come against the Bears, the Redskins, the Chiefs, and the Broncos. Most of it has come right up the gut. Now, Von Miller got him off the edge. That's antithetical to what we have seen with 15 of those 22 sacks right up the gut. Guys in the middle getting beaten one-on-one. So when you when you start hearing the offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, this week, next week, whatever, with the bottom-of-the-hour Vikings report, you know, we eventually will get into his preference, or what the offense sees when it comes to leaving C.J. Ham, Dalvin Cook, and or Alexander Madison in to protect guys coming up the middle. Yeah. That's not preferred. You, you, you don't prefer to do that. Okay, because then obviously it takes guys out of pass patterns. Dalvin's a really good pass catcher, and the screen game is the best in the business. So that is, a, I absolutely believe, something on which they are working right now. Luminaries. You know, there 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 are players who have gotten to the Vikings up the gut that are not necessarily of the star power variety. I mean, luminaries like this guy. Shotgun Cousins facing a four-man rush, looking right, hit, sack, buried. Nick Williams, third sack of the season. And it'll be third and 18 after a loss of eight. They are battering our quarterback. Nick Williams up the middle. So you trip on Akeem Hicks for like a week. Then it's Nick Williams. Nick Williams. God bless Nick. Belongs in the NFL. 
Good, solid player. Would love if he played for the Vikings. Nick Williams is a good player. He had two sacks in that game. Up the middle, big, strong, physical. Plays into the theme. Luminaries. Also, this guy. Cousins under center again. Cook, the tailback. Kirk on a straight drop. Looking into the end zone. And he's sacked by Matt Ioannidis. Ioannidis, fourth year from Temple. Now with three and a half sacks this season. That's a loss of four. And it's second and goal from the 14. Hey, ain't nobody taking a shot at Matt Ioannidis. Didn't know much about him into the game. Learned a lot about him right up to the game and during the game and after the game. Matt Ioannidis, like Nick Williams, like uh, like Puna Ford, thick, tough, physical, and mean, and plays in the interior. Matt Ioannidis. And by the way, to this theme of a Teardown Tuesday taking what is already good and making it better, we're, we're perfecting this thing from 8 and 3. Why are we perfecting this thing? It's because... Mission Miami. You believe that in your heart, don't you? 100% the mission is Miami. Chip chair chance. Absolutely. For Mission Miami. Well, to make Mission Miami on a Teardown Tuesday, you're just kind of like looking at things from afar and just trying to figure out why recently you were dominated. I mean, dominated by this guy. First and five from the 25, Cousins play action. Here's a blitz, and he sacked, and the ball came out, and Denver got the ball. And this Sunday is colored in orange and blue. The sack was by Shelby Harris. And Shelby Harris had three sacks in the game, including a strip sack. It's the best defensive game Shelby Harris has had all of his career. Common thread, Shelby Harris. A, like Nick Williams and to many, Matt Ioannidis, nobody's heard of him. Secondly, 9 to Noon tried to tell you about him last week. Thirdly, big, thick, beef eater, mean, strong. Yeah. Interior. Very. That's it. I mean, that that is absolutely it. And, I, you know, in closing, man, I don't know if you have an answer here when it comes to like combo blocks and doubles and getting Dalvin off between the tackles do we do we go straight eye offset eye left or right have CJ Dalvin and or Alexander stay back there and block i'm not a fan of that um i'm just not a fan of that taking players out of this passing game which is incredibly high end right now but from Nick Williams through Matt Ioannidis through Shelby Harris and with Puna Ford on the horizon, this is definitely something on a teardown Tuesday about which to think. You know, getting back into the short bid, not a full-on talker, but the concept of your trust in the offense versus the defense. And, and we've seen it, whether the team doesn't start fast or you create havoc and Kirk's ineffective at times. It is all based on the fat bodies getting interior pressure. And we were as excited as we were about Kirk rolling out, hitting digs on that massive pass, finding Rudy wide open just because I pointed at him from the radio booth. All of that was generated off of bootleg and movement. But when we're having problems, teams are keeping us in the pocket. And if Kirk's going to drop back five steps, feel confident, and make those throws, you can't have Pat Elfline getting pushed back by Jonathan Allen. Can't have Pat Elfline being pushed back by Chris Jones. Or if you want to go back to more of the surface level, uh, quote-unquote, no-name types that are still pretty damn good, you can't have Shelby Harris having three sack games against you. And I personally do not know what the answer is. Hopefully Rico Dennison and company do. But here's what makes it so perplexing. Miko Malibu Kelly Hayes, 
yeah, you can't have anybody pushed back by anybody. That's the preference. Even though 9 to noon implored or shared loudly into the season, the, the screen game is going to be the A topic. Just let's wait for it uh, with Stefanski, Kubiak, and Dennison. And we had to wait for it, and now it's the best in the NFL. But we always said, with Elfline, Bradbury, and Klein or Dozier, if you need to plow forward, that's a problem. Yeah. Because it's smallish, but it's athletic. All right, now they ran a play-action bootleg left screen to Dalvin Cook at Dallas that went for close to 40. And if you see the work done by Pat Elfline on Jalen Smith and another Rube for Dallas on that play, yeah. that, that's who he is, that's what he does. Correct, and he's very good at that. But, you know, like the way you laid it out, man, you can't be getting pushed back by Jonathan Allen or Chris Jones. That that that's what Jonathan Allen and Chris Jones do, right? That because they're high end and Chris Jones is elite. So now that's what makes it perplexing. How do you get around that in big spots? It's a teardown Tuesday, which moves to the defense after uh, a short pause, uh, which begins with Kevin Stefanski and the bye week Vikings report. Time now for the Vikings report on the fan presented by Quick Trip. Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski and PA after this from Quick Trip. See you next time. Hey, did you come down from that victory yet, Kevin? Yeah, not not easily. Took a, took a minute there. Um, what a game. Uh, again, our fans uh, can't say enough. I know Kirk mentioned it in his post-game press conference, but it is the truth. That place was electric. They stuck with us. And uh, have I come down from it? Yes, but uh, took a took a <laughs> Down Talker Tuesday, courtesy of 9 to Noon and your home for Vikings football. Techie in studio around the corner, always excited about that. AG, my main amigo, soy Pablito. So we just went through the Minnesota Moving Company. We chatted about some positives, which include not sweating throw-by-throw with the quarterback. Just let him continue to... let's, Let's put it this way. The quarterback is so good right now. The hope is during the bye week, he doesn't return to Holland, Michigan, doesn't visit his pastor father in Orlando. He is at home in bubble wrap. So nothing changes. <laughs> and that's mental and or physical bubble wrap because the physical ability is high end. Mentally speaking, quite preferable when main man is not anxious. And that uh, definitely paves the way for Mission Miami. So people have their own opinions, and we have ours. The 9 to noon team, the tandem, wonders... If perhaps the biggest problem with the Minnesota Vikings right now involves the secondary, specifically this guy. Second and eight, Engram in motion to the right. The Duke rookies out of the shotgun. Play action to Penny. Straight drop, looking left. He's going to fade to the end zone. Man has a step, and it's a Giants touchdown. Darius Slayton got a step on Xavier Rhodes. Darius Slayton, the Auburn rookie, with his first National Football League touchdown. 
gives the Giants life. It's 10-6, Minnesota. Is this a secondary-wide problem? And if so, truly, how bad is it? Dak chewed us up and did the same to Darius Slay in the most recent game. I mean, he chewed up Darius. Now, Darius had one go through his hands, which should have been a pick. Dak is so cocksure right now, he was going at Darius Slay at Ford Field and making plays. This whole thing, personally, is befuddling to me. Trip on this. The first five games of the season, the Vikings allowed 204 passing yards per game. Some of the quarterbacks included Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Both have been to Super Bowls, won, won, won a Super Bowl. 204 passing yards a game, and the team was 3-2. and two. Now, the next six, when the problems seem to emerge at 278 passing yards per game, <laughs> last six, 278 a game, man, on the pass. Team, yeah. go, team goes 5-1. and one. Three and two when we're basically giving up two oh four a game. Six five and one at two seventy eight passing yards per game. Like Minnesota moving company inside versus Shelby Harris and a fix, it's perplexing to me. But it's e- it's easier to slice and dice for me with this. Sim- simply because I, I just think there's some other than Chris Jones, Jonathan Allen, Shelby Harris, Nick Williams, Matt Ionitis or whomever legitimately like two rams in the pasture, battering each other and pushing back our ram. This is different because, in my opinion, things are linked together that are leading to this. Ooh, And some involve level of performance, potentially having fallen off, inexperience, communication breakdowns, and one... In very, very sneaky fashion. And the more I thought about it, um, Sinkhole speculating yesterday, the more I actually, I, I really, really believe this plays into it, too. Now, Daniil Hunter had eight and a half sacks in like three seconds, right? Yep. He's stuck on eight and a half, right? Yes, he is. Okay, because basically every play, and you can go ahead and watch it if you want, because I have. Tight ends, fullbacks, and running backs are chipping him every single play. So when offensive coordinators are looking at defenses, they no longer are looking at 29 and saying it starts there. They may not be completely looking at 22 and saying, got to obliterate that guy, which they do. 54s all over the field, best pass-covering linebacker in the NFL statistically so far this year. They're looking at 99. And offensive coordinators are looking at 99 saying, This guy single-handedly can wreck the entire game. So we are going to take him completely out of the equation. By doing that, they may have taken somebody out of pass patterns, but they've neutralized an on-charging 99. Because of it, 97 has seven sacks. So he's coming through with his, his part of the equation. Second half of the Broncos game against a decent offensive line. Dalton Reisner's really, really good. Out. A.G. A.G. Things good with you and beloved BJ? Good. Uh, running a little late here with the Tear It Down Tuesday, so just go ahead and chill. And got the Manischewitz over there. Quality human being. God bless you. He said he's not in a rush. Cool. Um, so, like, Dalton Reisner's really good. Yeah. Rest of it, McGovern's okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, back up and right tackle, blah, blah, blah. 
So I, I truly, I honestly believe that the the neutralizing and slowing down of Daniil Hunter from a pass rushing standpoint, granted, has taken a short passing game guy out of the equation, and it's it's impacted the Viking secondary. Because when you have a tight end, a fullback, and or a running back, chip 99, every single play. Every single play. Well, those guys are not the types of guys who, generally speaking, outside of a Travis Kelsey of the world, are going to give a corner or an on-charging safety like Sandejo with a massive whiff tackle around the 10 very late in the Broncos game, and J. Ron Kerr saved the day. It those types of players, when they catch it, are not going to put the corners in compromising spots the way Darius Slayton has, Marvin Jones has, Tim Patrick in the most recent game, Cortland Sutton the creature, and so on, and uh, McLaurin for Washington. Yeah, I mean, with Keenum, the Ohio State rookie was all over, 29, and it was a major problem. Tight ends, running backs, fullbacks, they're not going to do that. So therefore... It's clear to me that offensive coordinators are looking at it like this. We can sacrifice this guy for the greater good and double 9-9 because 9-9 can ruin the game. So the thing is kind of befuddling to me. Now, Stafford, you know, during the next six when the problems seem to emerge with the secondary, 278 a game, but the team goes 5-1. and one. Stafford, 352 yards. Dak Prescott, 393. Carson Wentz, 292. And the team won every game. Yeah. This is what's befuddling. And this is why the Teardown Tuesday has the emphasis you mentioned to me yesterday gave me the gist for the bit. The emphasis is perfecting the product to make the mission Miami. Because we can bitch about Dak at 393 and the Georgia kid at for 352 and the North Dakota kid for 292. Cool. We were in the winner's circle after each game. Couldn't have been that bad. Yep. Might have been bad. Couldn't have been that bad. Got our pictures taken, didn't we? In the winner's circle, patting the beast on the neck after running incredibly well and cashing our win bets. So truly, how bad are the problems? Personally, I can argue it's the worst problem with the team if you truly want to get to the Super Bowl. Correct. More so than what we discussed in the 1020 with the Minnesota Moving Company. Mission Miami. Second half defense versus Denver. Mostly fantastic. Crowd loving it. Kirk got the headline for what he did in uh, in the second half, but the defense also stepped up, as it should have, versus Brandon Allen. Let's be realistic here. Rhodes got better after the Washington game. Nine to noon gave you that proclamation. It hasn't improved from the two after the Washington game. Good against Kansas City. Got even better against Dallas. It still is not where it needs to be. So maybe it's not where it needs to be because he's absolutely in the second half of his career. Some people think his hips may be too, you know, he's just like too big and and, and burly and bulky down low, and he doesn't twist and turn the way he used to. Right. That, that That could be the answer. I got no idea. With all due respect with all of this, because this is an 8-3 and three team and we're perfecting this biatch to get to the Clevelander, okay? That's the long play. Yes. Waynes never attacks the ball. I mean, I watched back so many Trey Waynes plays yesterday. He's fast. He's quality. He's on players. With all due respect, 
He never attacks the ball. Pokes it, bats it, nothing. Never attacks it. That's perfecting the 8-3. and three. So X, stop getting beaten on double moves. Trey, attack the biatch. You're on the guy, man. Attack it. Knock it away. Maybe he's worried about P.I. Don't be. Attack the ball. Trey Waynes, in my opinion, rarely, if ever, attacks the ball. Mike Hughes has played 15 games. He's played 15 games in his career. Can't fairly judge Hughes until after this season, in my opinion. He's a high-ender, very, very talented. But he's also been on the wrong side of stuff like this. Vikings rush for Stafford fires to the end zone. Caught touchdown. Caught that one on Mike Hughes, one-on-one, got inside of him. And Marvin Jones Jr. has hit the touchdown trifecta. That's his third of the first half. And it's 21-20 Vikings. Mackenzie Alexander, mostly good, but playing inside doesn't play as much as the outside guys. Plays, he's placed close to as much. And, and you know, this thing's so jumbled right now that an argument can be made that Alexander has been the team's best overall corner. I mean, Wayne's, Wayne's tackles. Alexander tackles, Rhodes doesn't tackle. Well, Rhodes is okay at it, but he's not known as a tackler. Hughes is not known as a tackler at this stage of his career. Holton Hill never sees the field. So, I mean, if, if, if we're really going to determine of this group what has been the best, I don't get into that conversation because I know there's better for all of them, and that includes Mackenzie Alexander. Went deep diving yesterday. The outside guys seem to have the most trouble when they're playing cover two. And, you know, the head coach is a guy who years ago said, quote, I can find a cover two corner at a 7 Eleven, end quote. But cover two is a defense that everybody plays. And, and you're required to play it in certain situations. So the intel is the outside guys, with whatever goes into this. It's a Ben Lieber or Pete Bursich-related uh, opinion if and or when we chat with them on the radio before the chickens game. Outside guys, I think, seem to be having the most trouble when they play cover two. Mm. Rhodes keeps, keeps getting beat on double moves. And credit to Ron Johnson. Um, I think Ron was right yesterday when he said, play uh, J. Ron Curse more against bigger guys and play him more inside. J. Ron, not as fast as all of the guys we just mentioned. Maybe save Rhodes but bigger, physical, and not afraid. Just look at Mac Alexander versus Mr. Kelsey in the Kansas City game, and that's why a J. Ron curse might be helpful in some spots. Front right of the end zone to win the Broncos game. His coverage was so good on high-end tight end Noah Fant. 87 had to push off. Shame on the back judge, by the way, for not throwing a flag and having the guts to throw a flag on that 87 push-off. Would have been a shame if he had pushed off, caught the touchdown, put an L on us, and a main man back there has his finger up his butt. So it, it was a blatant push-off, ridiculous, when I was watching that playback yesterday. But we digress. So, yeah, I think I think Ron hit on something yesterday where I'll be curious to see how this works out of the bye. J. Ron Kirst playing more in the secondary, either either inside or hybrid guy or against bigger guys or whatever. There have been more communication mix-ups between corners and safeties than I've seen in some time. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sandejo's new to the mix. He, he, you know, it, one happened early in the game involving Sandejo in a corner. Sandejo whiffed on a tackle at the ten. 
All right, now he's nearing the end of his career, definitely deep in the second half, and he's new back here. But, I mean, if you truly are perfecting on a teardown Tuesday, the 8-3 and three Minnesota Vikings trying to get to the Super Bowl, communication breakdowns, which have included Harrison Smith, where I can't believe the hitman has been absolutely perfect and without culpability in this entire thing. When it comes to corners letting guys go, wondering where somebody is. Maybe it's 22, maybe it's 41, maybe it's 27. I don't know, but it just seems like there are some communication situations that have popped up this year. This has to be Zimmer's A topic during the bye. He has to be mashing on player cut-ups while decompressing in the bluegrass with the heated floors, multiple wood-burning fireplaces, Mm. red wine, a hot tub, and a deer stand. I mean, if if Chad Abbott is listening right now, or Lewiston's finest Tom West, the way I laid that out, that is their nirvana. It's heaven. And you, you throw a tractor in there and, and oh. some overalls, and you put... Uh, Not sure Abbott can climb up on a tractor these days, but you definitely have it. You, you put some overalls on Abbott and put a, uh, and put a, like some, some straw in his mouth? I mean, he could be a star in Hee Haw. That, that's just unbelievable nirvana for people like that. The talent is there. This is supposed to be a team strength. The bottom line numbers are not bad, and the record since suspect secondary gate has emerged is sterling. So truly, we ask truly, how big of a problem is this? Six and one since it fell off a little bit. But it truly is a major problem. Major. If you believe it's working on the coach's last nerve, and I do, and if you're trying to get the Minnesota Vikings to the is this Super Bowl 54? 54. Super Bowl 54 making the mission Miami. We'll hit on this uh more the week up to the Seattle game. Who knows? Maybe there maybe there's time for a change. Maybe somebody with whom you're very familiar in that secondary when they go to Seattle will not be playing as much as said individual has played in the past. Or maybe he or they will. Those are things we will dissect up to the chickens game because uh, we have a very, very learned and talented techie in the on-deck circle set to hit a verbal home run. A.G. next. It's P.A. Does anybody listen to this? This radio show? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't listen to it. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. Is an AG friendship covenant right now. 
In first place, you have I want to sexton you up because they employ Colin Sexton. In second, you have the con artist, con spelled yeah. like David Kahn. And in third, well, two-time past champion Feng Shui. The third-place team, currently four out of first, is owned by yours truly. Yeah. The second-place team, con artist. Nordo. Nordo, his first year in. Yeah, well respected, not bad. Much ballyhooed. And We're grinding. Ex- Without uh, Kyle Lowry, he's doing all this. Yeah, and Middleton on the shelf. Yeah, too. right. And, uh, it's sad that I like memorized you guys' rosters now. Like a month later, I can just <laughs> reference who's out. Incredibly well respected league freak. Yeah. And in first, yeah, the owner of I want to sexton you up because not only do they employ Colin Sexton, but their first round pick uh, Damian Lillard has been a fantasy freak this year. It uh, it completes the trifecta. That is League Freight. Oh, it's Doogie. Of Aaron Gleeman's Friendship Great. Covenant. Great. It's the Lions in first place. It's Doogie. Yeah, Doogie. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this about Doogie. I got one loss this season, Thanks and it to was him. to Doogie's freaking team. Come I'll, on, man. I'll say this about Doogie, Seriously. Doogie Wilson, yeah. who I've known for literally uh, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, He's 5'9". You knew him when he was 4'11". <laughs> he will out-hustle everyone. He'll be on the waiver wire. He will be scouting, you know, the closing minutes of a Memphis Sacramento game. Like he will. I'm gonna take this a step yeah. farther for you right now. Not only does Darren Doogie Wolfson, my absolute all-time main man, not only does he, like you said, he will he will outwork and scout and like take the next step. When we were drafting in the much ballyhooed, highly respected, incredibly tough to win league freak. In the fifth or sixth round, I drafted Jaron Jackson, yeah. a power, a forward-center combo guy for the Memphis Grizzlies. It took Doogie all of 25 seconds. Now, now, now J.B. Bickerstaff no longer coaches Memphis. It took him all of 25 seconds to tell me. I talked to J.B. Yeah. Bickerstaff about Jaron Jackson. He thinks he's going to be an unbelievably good player and emerging star <laughs> this year. Nice pick. That's next level work for the much the highly ballyhooed and well respected league freak. That is a, uh, a a staple of the Doogie Wil- uh, Doogie Wolfson sort of way of being. If you follow him on Twitter, which mm-h. is anytime something happens, he goes, "Well, I did talk about this last week. I interviewed the yeah, assistant no. coach, and the guy said this." And <laughs> it's, it's like you don't even know uh, if it's true. It's just like yeah, I know. okay, I don't know. Yeah, him and Adam Kaplan yeah. locally and nationally. I mean. Yeah, Kaplan, Wolfson. It's believable. It's believable. I'll hustle people. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got him talking to J.B. Bickerstaff about Jaron Jackson, and I snipe him on Jaron Jackson. I'm up here texting Ed Stefanski, who runs the Detroit Pistons, about Luke freaking Kennard in the very last round. And then I take him, and I cut him, and he blows up in my face. Yeah, uh... I'm telling you, there's a lot that goes into League Freak. Okay, you got people who know people in certain places, and... And you got Roto World people and NBA.com and NBA TV and all that. That's what makes it such a well respected fantasy basketball league. The most well respected in the, in the country because it caters to the little guy. I mean, you can be, you, you can have direct access to the man who runs the Detroit Pistons. You can have direct access to Bernie's son, a former head coach in the NBA, but the champion last year, Eastsider from St. Paul is a mailman. Really? So it caters to everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, the East Sider's a postman. And he's, he's relentless, too. He's relentless with his moves. That's all that matters to he him. tried to rip me off last week, though. I think what I'm learning, coming in here and doing like the first 12 minutes of every segment about you guys' fantasy basketball league. Well, you're here for the whole hour now. Oh, well, that's way. fine. I'm, I'm not mind. complaining. Yeah, no, I was gonna, Nordo is, wanted you to leave at 1130. Oh, he doesn't I even want me no. to come, he told me. Yeah. He said, just stay home. We don't need you. I love uh, BJ, though. He, he said we're talking about uh, yeah. Vikings DBs yeah. for the next seven hours. Uh, see, when you come here for the Tuesday soiree, then Eastsider, the league freak champion, well, the postman always rings twice at that <laughs> Minneapolis apartment. But here's what I've BJ. learned. <laughs> I mean, unlike me, she actually is at work, has a job, but that's nice of you to say, yes. I suppose. I'm sorry. I uh, you. Don't be mad at me. Here's the, somebody ripped you last week and I stuck up for you. Yeah, you just said that. that that's not a thing you can say to somebody. We, before the mics went on, as we're like sitting down, he says to me, uh, hey, I, whatever, just hello, how you doing? And he goes, uh, last week someone ripped the hell out of you, and I stuck up for you, and I said, wait, what? Who? Yeah, and, and he it, goes, I can't it, tell you that. Well, you can't say that to somebody. And it's somebody you know incredibly well. well that's, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm making the whole thing I don't thing think up. you are. That's what we do with the fans. I don't think you are. Well, yeah, I am. That's how we talk. Are you trying to tell me I don't have an Adrian Barbeau think- poster on my wall? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Adrian's Barbeau. Yeah, that too. Do you think Barrero really knows of any oxes getting gored? That's how we talk at the fan. I don't know. You All had right. a little something in your eye that said. Um, you're, yeah, it's, it's called this stress fungus below my left <laughs> okay, eye. Okay, maybe that's right. That's what it is. So stop. I had a cream for that. So now um, here's what we're going to do. All right, everybody relax. Okay. Uh, we're going to keep down. we're going to keep the techie around until the end of the program. And uh, when we return, uh, we are going to talk about a certain NBA team who had zero losses at home. But um, after AG's team rolled in, now they have a fat L. That next and more, it's 9 to noon. It's PA. I can't even believe it! They stink so bad you can't even make it up! Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. Fan. The Mustache Run is celebrating its eighth year of supporting men's health and creating awareness for prostate and other men's cancers. You can join us, by the way, November 30th for a festive 5K, 10K, half marathon, and a little mo mile victory lap, victory lap for your stash and victory for men everywhere. KFAN.com, keyword community, or mustacherun.com. 11.23, Aaron Gleeman, AaronGleeman.com. At Aaron Gleeman for salacious titillating, unadulterated, and vivacious tweets. And um, he also covers and uh, writes about the Minnesota Twins of Major League Baseball at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. A couple of things that uh, popped up of late. One involved uh, Jake Odorizzi, which I did read. Uh, the other, which was recent. And um, uh, with all due respect, um, this time of the year, League Freak, uh, box scores for DeJounte Murray, Tyler Hero, <laughs> and speculating by reading the notes of the New York Knicks beat writer covering um, the Knicks for the New York Post, trying to figure out when Alfred Payton is returning. That, when I see Rule 5, it's probably going to take me a little yes, time. It's a, uh, yeah. it's a niche uh, audience. Yeah, yeah. But that's the beauty of the athletic. But I have all your albums, so no matter Don't what worry. you put out there, you could write about... You know, one of Nord- Nordo's favorite, favorite performers in the world, Busty Buffy. And I eventually will get around and, and read about it. 
Uh, but uh, when I see Rule 5, it uh, holy cow, I'm just, oof. Yeah. That's complicated. As long as you're paying your subscription, you don't have to read it. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. how the whole thing works. We're not looking for clicks. We're not doing yeah, uh, clickbaity stuff. Well, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it. You, Krasinski, Russo Radio, and Ryan Burns are the biggest scam artists in my life, and I love all of you for different reasons. Because I promote the bleep out of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Yeah. I have people on, and I promote it from the goodness of my heart. Because yeah. I want to see, see my friends prosper. Yeah. I'm sure enough paying that three eighty six a month. Okay, <laughs> we should charge you double. And then Ryan Burns with Gopher Illustrated, GopherIllustrated.com. That, that's a different level than the Athletic. Have him in weekly two se- segments promote the bleep out of Gopher Illustrated. Does a fantastic job. Well, you think I'd get an access code to like backdoor that thing and like read some comments on Gophers basketball or football? And yet they give me nothing. Yeah, but that like it was a big scandal decades ago in radio. Payola. Where they would pay like the DJs to play certain songs. So decades now, ago, well, maybe now. How about I don't four years? How about uh, let's see, Con? When'd you begin? Four years ago? Uh, five and a half years ago. Six to six and a half years ago. Plugola yeah. controversy with nine to noon. Really? Yeah, involving me receiving forty-two extra large embroidered sweatshirts <laughs> from small high schools around the state. I remember. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a controversy, but it was like you know, it was it was like Abbott. You know, Farmer Abbott would look at it like greatest bit ever because he coaches high school football, loves high school football. Nobody said a word when I unveiled the actual bit until the announcer actually got 42 <laughs> Rockstar XL embroidered Caledonia Grand Meadow from all across the Great Divide. And they all fit again. Then all of a sudden it was like, you know, it... um you know, it's probably the whistle stop bit's really good with it and everything, but you know, you're you're promoting certain things and then receiving things at no charge. It's probably not yeah. plug all or payola, but, but we probably something. should stop. But that's what I'm saying about the athletic and about you uh, reading Ryan stuff is like we don't want to give it to you for free. We gotcha. want you to promote it because you love it so much. I do. Yeah, see, it's an yeah, don't want to devalue the content. Oh. No, not at all. Right, and I just want his three bucks a month. That goes directly to yeah. me, they told me. Yeah, I understand that. So You and my mom, your subscription money goes directly to me. So with uh so with the athletic, theathletic.com, uh the 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 podcast for the for the uh the private users, like a buck and everything, uh that you and John Bonus, the twins geek yeah. did, man. I mean, that was brilliant the way you guys concocted that. Because it was like a special club of those who wanted to have the podcast, yeah. and with it came Private nude Snapchats. Yes. and uh, From John, not from me. And, like, videos and stuff like that, yeah. uh, which is just brilliant the way you did it. And even when people unsubscribe, he still sends them those, <laughs> those videos. So that's... He's God. not bashful or no. modest. That is any stretch of the imagination. That is, this is a joke, but not that far from being the truth in no, terms of him not being bashful. Yeah, that's why his name is John Bone X. Instead of two S's at the end, it's a couple of X's. And that's what you see on Twitter, and it draws you in. Uh, so anyway, um, that's all good. And Rule Five's complicated. Jake Odorizzi, read read about it right now. Um, and the Timberwolves upset the Utah Jazz last evening. Yeah, a uh, cat hit seven threes. Uh, your guy Keelan Martin. Keelan Martin. Yeah, he can shoot. It turns out two threes. He had two threes, fourteen points. Jim Peterson, uh, and it's absolutely accurate. And I can't exactly remember what the number is. It, it one of the unbelievable stats that has blown me away more than most stats have in quite some time, including, like, there was a Patriot stat from, like, two or three weeks ago where it was they have 
like 17 interceptions on defense against one passing touchdown allowed through like eight games. It was unbelievable. How about this? Your guy Martin hits a corner three. Okay, the corner three, basketball minds know, is the easiest three to hit of all of them because it's A, the shortest distance, and B, it's just the easiest to hit. When Martin hit a corner three last night, it's when you texted me and said, LOL, Gobert, stop chasing him. When he hit that corner three, of the last 41 corner threes the Minnesota Timberwolves have taken, that was the fourth one that they had made. Really? Something like that. I mean, they have. I hope I didn't mess that up. They have. uh, Are you kidding? Laid some bricks from three point range just in general. Well, they had that six of 42 night or something like that a couple weeks ago. And Cat's lethal all over the place. But if you think about it, Cat is corner three. Well, no, no, no. Like, not the corner, but then keep going a little bit. Boom. Yeah. Top of the key three for Cat. Lethal. Yes. As le- it's a they layup call, for it. They call that above the break, PA. Above the what? Above the break threes. Above the which, break? Yeah, basically. I call it top of the key. They just run, yeah, but top of the key is like, you know, free throw more, I think. But, top of the key. But though. he, yeah, I mean, we were we were texting about how Gobert was trying to handle Cat last night. He, he basically just gave up, which is, Cat was spectacular last night. I mean, he's been great all season. But I also feel like how they played stylistically last night against the reigning defensive player of the year. Mm. Shows what the offense is capable of if they can just get a little better fit in terms of personnel. Yeah, if they can get a couple knockdown shooters as wings, and or a a point guard who wants to get to the basket and, and you know try to you know dunk over people. I yeah. mean Jeff Teague's been playing fine. Can you imagine how good the Wolves would be if they had John Morant? Yeah, I mean some like if they go out and draft a young point oh. guard. Or something like that, because what happened was... John Morant never shoots jump shots. I swear. Right. Everything he does is within five these feet little, of the He does that little floater, yeah. which is a good shot. He is so fast yeah. off the dribble. But what we Feng saw, Shui tried to trade for him yesterday to a fat L. What we saw is not only was Cat killing Gobert, because Gobert just can't chase him 24 feet from the basket, yeah. but it also pulls Gobert out of the paint. And because in 2019, no team is ever going to play two bigs together for any length of time, yeah. you're never going to have more than one rim protector. And so you take Gobert, who's probably the number one rim protector in all basketball, and he's out there giving up on 28-footers and trying to get a hand up on Cat. Yeah. And if they had Wiggins, I think you would have seen Wiggins be able to take advantage of that by just constantly slashing and getting to the basket because there's nobody there waiting for him because Gobert's trying to put a hand up on Cat, mm-hmm. who's looking like Steph Curry out there. And so I think... The the personnel for this team is not. I mean, they're just not spectacularly talented, other than the top three or two or three guys. And you know, they don't have shooters. Teague is not a guy who's going to look to attack, attack, attack. But if they can get a couple of those guys in place over the next two years, why you got a harsh mellow? I mean, we just rolled into Utah. I'm saying zero victories, uh, zero losses at home. No, oh, it was impressive. Oh, you're saying think bigger. Hold on. Wow. Give it to me. What a great NBA mind. Keep going. I clump. I'm also very curious to see if Utah changes up there because they're playing back to back against Utah. Yeah. Uh, now the next one's at home, obviously. But yeah. I- I'm curious to see if they do something in terms of coverage with Gobert because he's just out on an island there and Cat will just run pick and roll and drop back and shoot 25 footers all day over him. Yeah. And I mean, he's making 44% on like nine attempts a game. And whatever you, I mean, Gobert is a spectacular, great Hall of Fame level level defensive player. 
but he's of no use to anybody 25 feet from the basket chasing Cat. So I'm wondering if what they'll do in terms of like pick and roll coverage or just overall. Because, I mean, Cat will slice him up mm-hmm. all day like that. And then if they have to switch, Cat can still post people up. I think he's shooting like 60% on two-pointers. What um, Off what we saw last night. Yeah. Utah at Wolves tomorrow night. Wiggins will return, right. I would imagine. What do you make the number of where a Diamond Joes or the 702? I mean, normally you would say Wolves by, I don't know, four. Wolves by four, you think? Except given how they've played, they'll probably lose by like four. Like there's been no consistency game to game with them in terms of yeah. they get blown out, then they come back with an impressive win. I, I mean, I think I coming into the season, I thought Utah was going to be probably top three in the West. I think I still yeah. think they're very tough. Yeah, uh, but it's a when when Cat plays like that against Gobert, who's been a tough matchup for him in the past. It's the same thing with Joel Embiid. It's the same thing you see with like Hassan Whiteside or Mark Gasol. There are like four or five centers yep. from a size point of view who can truly match up with him. And if we start to see him now just extend his range and make those guys come chase him, mm-hmm. I mean, you take Gobert out of uh, out of the mindset that he wants to be in, and it completely changes their defense. They put what they they put up what one fifteen on him last night, I yeah. think something like that. Yeah, one fifteen against the number one defensive right. uh, uh, defensive points per game team right. in the NBA, and it's because they took their the defensive player of the year and they yeah. made. Them stand at the three point line. For Ain't the no doubt. Game. Yeah, Utah came into it giving up a hundred points per game. A uh, Wolves greatly surpassed that. Yep. Utah was number three in the NBA for opponent field goal percentage of forty three, and I think we got that too. Man, why are you guys always thinking gambling? Why don't you give me <laughs> half the money you were going to bet, and we'll go out back. I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Final segment nine to noon next. It's PA. I'm your captain, Paul Allen. Welcome to the Fantastic Voyage. Weekdays, 9 to noon on The Fan. Download it now. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Because tomorrow might very well be too late. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Cause tomorrow could never come Way too early, obviously, to be looking at uh, like NBA playoff standings and jostling and stuff. I mean, super way too early. Is it too early, given that the smile you have tells me that we both last night after the game were looking at the standings like on ESPN and saw that there would be in the playoffs? Yeah, well, I did it this morning just uh, just to like amplify what I already had for the techie, Aaron Gleeman. So we're eight. Okay, we're the eight right now. Yeah. But what's compelling, and you know, just just to when it comes to basketball with me with us three and definitely baseball with you the scratch below the surface related stuff is what is stimulating to us maybe it's not to the crowd maybe right. it's too hardcore but to us it makes us smile it's stimulating and and it we enjoy working on stuff like that portland is behind us okay now if you had done odds into the season who finishes with a better record and why Portland or Minnesota, Portland in that equation is rather prohibitively favored. Um, your Blazers are one and four at home. Yeah, they're a mess. One and four at the Rose Garden, that's completely diseased. I mean, that's one of the great home court advantage. It's home court immortality. You know a team is struggling when they think in the year 2019. Carmelo Anthony wouldn't be that bad of an idea. What in the hell is happening? I don't, I don't and understand. And by the way, he's available to play tonight for I'm the sure, first time I mean, this season. Yeah. 
He'll get minutes. They have no. Right. I mean, they have no one else. You but. know what? I had forgotten about Mello, but it plays into my bit. I have the answer to what Portland's problem is. Okay. Now they now they're getting run out of Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Okay. Hassan Whiteside, South Beach had been there all of his career. Second round pick from Marshall. Glitzy. Nobody care. Nobody goes to the games until the end of the game, or unless they're really good. So whatever. His time had worn out there. So now Hassan, granted they're one of four at home, he goes to a part of the country where it's a standalone pro franchise. The season ticket waiting list for Blazer, it's big. Right, super hardcore crowd. Hassan, uh, I mean, Hassan Whiteside in South Beach is less popular than half the freaking Dolphins roster, even if they only have one win. You know what I mean? So he goes to Portland, he's the cat's ass. I mean, he's you're on the Blazers? You're on the Blazers? Holy cow. Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, whole thing. The the Blazers, and I watch the Blazers because Feng Shui um, compensates us on Whiteside. So we always need to keep up to speed later in the evening while you're watching. You know, you're watching uh, Sacramento host. I was Phoenix. just about to say the Kings. I don't know why I always end up watching the Kings. Grant Napier lead vocal. Yeah, that's, that's why. Solid. No, yes. Grant Napier's top three in the I league. do find myself gravitating to games uh, where I like the announcer. Me too. A lot, like, yeah, Grant Napier, Sacramento. Although Calabro is solid too. Top top three or yeah. four. You got Napier, with all due respect, Napier for, for our taste. Napier, yeah. Sacramento, Calabro, Blazers. He's great. Ian Eagle, yes. Nets, is terrific. Yeah. Um, the Breen, who does the national... Right. And he does some Knicks still, does he, the, I think? Most, if not all. Yeah. Yeah, with Clyde the Glide Frazier. Yes. Well, which, Frazier's which a is bomb. a bit of an acquired taste. Yes. But once you get the bit on that, because <laughs> oh, yeah. it is, a, I mean, it's a, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a weird yeah. sort of eccentric guy. He's the Dan Cole, the common man yes. of NBA TV analyst. If you're watching a Knicks game and you find yourself laughing along to yeah. Clyde Frazier, yep. you got the bit. Yeah. For me, it's, um, it's Jim Peterson one yes. for enjoyment of listening to. No, we're very lucky as Wolves yeah. fans. I mean, the announcing. And just the, I think the media coverage hey. overall in this in in this state has certainly been better than the team's performance yeah. for the, the last twenty years. And honestly, Techie, I'm taking this you know heart out of it. Uh, the fact that I'm fond of Jim, yes. Just I watch, we watch so much basketball. I've heard every analyst eight thousand times. Like your guy in Miami, I don't even know who he is. It reminds me of a gangster, just the way he talks. They got the gangster vibe with the Miami Heat. And 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 you just just whatever all over the league. Jim Peterson is the best for analysis, delivery, pithy fashion, and feeling the game. Yes, and not afraid to criticize, no. which a lot of teams the whole thing. won't do. And the thing you talked about at the beginning of the segment, which is we love these sort of yeah digging under the surface stuff. And yeah. he will point out stuff that is like well, you'll see it and you go, oh wow, yeah, I didn't notice yeah. that, which now, is legit. Maybe because you know this this is from the heart. Maybe because. When when I played basketball in high school and or junior college and lived in Los Angeles, Stu Lance was the analyst for Lakers basketball with Chick Hearn right. when I was in high school. And Stu's still doing it now. I, I don't know who's with Spiro Didis or something, something like that. Like that yeah. um, and, and Ralph Lawler, the Vox for the Clippers, who's good? Bingo! Yes, Lawler's Law. He Lawler was the Clippers Vox when I was in high school. And he doesn't wear headphones, and and he and he holds the microphone. Yeah, right. He's got and that, has yeah. all of his career. 
You know, but he was their man when I was there. Pooh Richardson, Danny Manning, Charles Smith, Michael Oliva Candy. He's been through Michael a lot of bad Cage, years. one of the great rebounders in the history of the NBA with the Jerry Curl, all thing. So for me, Pete won for analyst. Um, and, and I'd have to think more closely at some of the names. Um, but Clyde DeGlide. That is second. I mean, just only, if only for the bit factor. Here's one thing I've noticed. And there's a lady who does the net stuff who's good. Yeah, there's actually like a, a handful of, of, Women announcers now, and well, that I, lady is good. I like the fact that it's not it's ceased being a big deal now, which I think is a huge step in terms of whether it's it's former coaches wow. or college players or NBA Honey. players. Act, I mean, Doris uh, Burke is the boss. Well, she's the best, and but also you look at like the the Wolves pre and post game shows. Uh, several of the Lynx players have been doing uh, action on that, which I think is a good sign. But the, here's one thing good that I've, I've realized. Yeah. Watching as much basketball, like having league pass now for like ten years or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see players that I remember being drafted, <laughs> like Corey Maggette's doing games, yeah. Chauncey Billups is doing games. Really, you start to look and like Bruce Bowen is doing games. Really, I, 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 yeah, Bowen does the Spurs. Yeah, you start to go like, oh, I am a oh, really the Spurs have a good box. Doug Christie does get like yeah. I'm starting to see guys who I remember as rookies, and now they are like in their third season yeah. as announcers, and I'm like, well, Honey, I, I Doug, became an old man here. Doug Christie works with Grant Napier right. as the analyst and they also do a, a drive time radio show on what i think is called hot talk the in two Sacramento. of them do it two, they're together huh. I, I go on that show five times a year that's interesting i know grant very well we you know what we're going to do uh before we play sacramento or somewhere on the horizon we're going to get napier on the show yeah do it and we'll chat some NBA oh, he, with i napier. guarantee you he's got some stories <laughs> from that franchise i yeah. mean oh. um sarah grace Kustok or Kustik or whatever, K U S T O K. That's it, yeah. She is the, um, she works for the Yes Network yep. and Fox Sports, and she is the, the analyst I was talking about, uh, who works, I believe, with Ian Eagle on Nets games. Man, that, that, I mean, the Nets are the Nets. It's a Brooklyn bit, so it's concrete jungle. That, that Nets thing ain't no joke, man. Their production is good. It's the whole, Yes is so high end. And people probably know Ian Eagle from NCAA. Tournament because oh, yeah. he's become I think like probably their second their second guy in that over the, I mean he's he's solid I mean the the Knicks and the Nets have been terrible collectively for most of the past like decade plus but they always have whether well, I mean they had Gus Johnson for a little bit they had Marv Albert for a little bit they had Breen still uh, Ian Eagle I mean it's because it's such a huge market you still get big names man that's I don't know man hopefully this is updated here Uh-oh. I just went to Wikipedia. It's never a good sign when well, PA starts to giggle when he's looking at um, his computer. Well, Sean Grandy does... Yes, former Wolves uh, yes, announcer. Does Celtics, right? Radio, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, right. Tom Heinsohn yeah. does only home games. Right. Tom that's, Heinsohn's the bomb. Now that's an he ex- sounds like Fred Flintstone. That is an experience. <laughs> that is, uh, is. You know who he reminds me of? Hawk Harrelson a little bit. A little bit. Because he's not even trying to be unbiased. He's basically yeah. just screaming for the Celtics to do well. So when Clyde the Glide does not do um, analysis for the Knicks on TV, do you know who fills in for him? Wally World. Wally World! Yeah. He's solid, too. I didn't know that. He I does some college, too, I think, for like Pac-10 yeah, Network or something like that. Yeah, man. See, I'm trying to... Um, but that's what I mean about that makes me feel gangster. That makes me feel elderly. The fact that Wally Zerbiak is now like in his fifth season as an announcer, yeah. and I can vividly remember the Wolves drafting him. I yeah. feel like I'm the world's oldest 36 year old. Um, I don't know. Eric Reed is the play by play guy, and I I shook Eric's hand, introduced myself within the last two seasons at Target Center. Yeah, but you know he's been the he's been the TV guy for the Heat for quite some time. So they've won titles since he's been there. 
a main man is not afraid to show that bling. Like, he'll roll in to call a Heat-Wolves game, and he's got like a ring on every finger. I'm like, damn! Did you see, now that we're deep into a basketball announcer talk, did you see that the Warriors, I don't know if it was a demotion or the guy just wanted to semi-retire, but whoever their main, was it Barnett? See the main oh, announcer, Jim Barnett. He now for who Warriors. Oh, he was the he was the analyst for the Warriors. Yeah, for this whole when I called races in the mid nineties. But now he's on. They demoted him, I think, to what? radio for some reason. What? Or maybe he just why, wanted time why off. Why are you saying something. radio's a demotion? Well, okay, no, <laughs> uh, that was a okay. let's rewind that and okay, well, do that. Uh, you know what? Um, for basketball, it's a demotion. Yeah, now quickly, football, it's where so. You anyway, my answer to the Blazers. Oh yeah, uh, below the surface. <laughs> One and four at home, out of the playoffs right now. You know who they miss? Maurice Harkless and Al Farika Mino. And I'm telling you right now, they miss those glue guys who might only have played 15 to 19 minutes a game. Both tough. Both would mix it up. Uh, Aminu will occasionally hit threes. Harkless is, is tough as nails. both those guys right now would be playing a lot of the four. Yes. And they would not be messing around with Carmelo Anthony if they had right. either of those guys. And speaking of the four, the Gonzaga kid, Zach Collins, is out hurt. It might be out for the year. Months, yeah. Right. So that, that plays into the Blazers below the surface. New Orleans is behind us. Zion is on the horizon with Holiday. Uh, the Holiday ball thing I'm still not completely warmed up to. Redick is starting to light it up a little bit. Derek Favors is an in-and-out guy. How badly are you missing Andrew Wiggins? Uh, a question that never would have been on. Yeah, I didn't think we'd ever have this conversation, yeah. but yes. I Especially, I think, last night they won, but I would have been very curious, and I'm hoping he plays now in the, the second game against Utah, but I would have been very curious how he was able to attack the basket with Gobert chasing around Cat, because I think if he's able to do that consistently yeah. and Cat is out there nailing three-pointers and drawing bigs away from him, I think yeah. that is a combo that you, you can't defend that. Yeah. I mean, it's just impossible. And so the other thing, by the way, about West playoff, picture yeah the Warriors are completely out of it and so that opens up a spot I mean I, it, some people had the Warriors projected as the six or the seven or the eight or well, something yeah like that. because of Kurachek right but they're done I mean they're toast it's two and twelve they're playing for that number one pick now Honey, at this point so somebody's going to take that spot too D'Angelo Russell sprains a thumb and Kurachek goes yes because it's that many more cliched ping pong balls. Yes, I am 100% convinced that they will get the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, by the way, compensated by Feng Shui, kind of carrying the team a little bit. Sprained thumb, out for multiple weeks. Kurachek, can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for the contribution. Aaron Gleeman, um, gentleman scholar and a connoisseur of quality Manischewitz. I'm Paul Allen, Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. The producer is Eric Nordquist. When he performs at the Myth this evening in Maplewood, Mm. opening for Tyler, the creator, he goes by the rapping moniker of Mad Producer One. And, of course, thank you to Metropolitan Ford for sponsoring the 9 to Noon Show Raps. Metropolitan Ford, we love you. Thank you so much. Okay. Vikes by week while it's tear it down Tuesday. I'm more concerned about the stats from Rudy Gay. If you're a Pack fan like Gleeman's beloved BJ, you may not be even listen to a word we say. When PA talks, people are like, okay, boomer. His weird verbiage infects you like a tumor. Sometimes his face will get redder than Ron Coomer's. That he pooped his pants, though? That's just a rumor. Truth is, Florio loves him some cousins. West Virginia booze barn by himself buzzing. Nobody's business but his own. What he does in there, making snarky takes by the dozen. Today's Paul 
Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFAN.com.